today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If you fear God, you'll fear no man. I mean, think about this. When you fear God, whom shall I fear, David says in the Psalms. What shall man do unto me? Jesus said it like this. Don't fear man who can kill the body. Fear God who can damn the soul. Fear God, not man. When you fear God, you fear no one or no thing. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Do you struggle with the fear of man? In today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches you that to reverence God is the beginning of wisdom. When you fear the Lord, you won't fear anyone or anything. God is the one who rules over all. Direct your reverence to Him, the Creator of the world. Fear God and Him alone. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. It's pride that says, I'm not going to listen, but you need to listen. And how about this? You ready for this? We have the audacity and the propensity in our own pride to do that with God. And you know how it manifests? You know how it, what it looks like and how it plays out? When we spend our time with the Lord, we spend more time talking to Him than we do listening to Him. You know, we, prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. I mean, think about prayer in this way. When you spend time with the Lord, Solomon here says, when you go to the house of God, when you go into that, that place where it's just you and the Lord, draw near to here. And this is something that I believe comes with maturity. I'll just speak for myself. Over the years, this is something that I'm still learning. I mean, I never want to say I've learned. I'm never going to get to that place where I can say I have arrived. Because as soon as you do that, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a thing about pride, isn't it? And again, we'll talk more about this on Sunday. It disables your ability to even know that you have it. You know those antivirus software, you know, programs that are supposed to detect viruses on your computer? Well, they're, are, they're so sophisticated that they go into your computer and they disable the antivirus so you don't even know it's there. That's what pride does. It disables your ability to know that it's even there. And as soon as you start thinking that you're humble, well, then you become proud of your humility. And then, and then even with pride, you're humble about your pride. That's how insidious pride is. But it comes with time and it comes with maturity when, when you spend time with the Lord and you draw near to Him and there's just this, Lord, and, and preferably you start your day off this way because it's really the only way, especially in this day, 
with everything that's happening in the world where you just say, okay, Lord, I, I don't know what's in store for me today, but you do. I mean, it's, it's coming at you in all these directions, and Lord, prepare me for that which is prepared for me. Give me this day my daily bread of life, my, my daily word, my, the word for today to prepare me, and I want to listen. And here's the thing about listening. There's a difference between listening and listening. And again, I'll explain what I mean by that. When you hear, when you truly hear, it's like James says, you're not just a hearer of God's Word, you're a doer. Because if you're just a hearer of God's Word, then you're like the guy that looks at himself in the mirror and then walks away and does nothing about it. Think about it like this. When you look at your, this is a, this is when you just say, Lord, you need to come back now. Because, you know, I look at myself in the mirror and I just think, Jesus, come quickly. And, but when you, what happens when you look in the mirror? You, you look at yourself and you see what needs to be done. And of course, as you get older, there's a lot more that needs to be done. I mean, there's hair where there shouldn't be. There's hair where there used to be. Uh, we, need, we need to shave that, clean that, wash that. And you, you get the point. When you are in the Word, you see <laughs> in the mirror of God's Word. And what are you going to do about it? You walk away and you don't do anything about it. That's, you're just a hearer of God's Word. But you really haven't listened because if you really listened, then you would heed that which you heard. And that's what Solomon is talking about. And it's going to get worse for us too. You ready? That was just the primer. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you on earth, therefore let your words be few. Thank you, David, wherever you are for singing. I love that song. I love that song. Oh my goodness. My wife reminds me often of this verse, <laughs> let your words be few. Don't talk so much. You talk too much. What Solomon's saying here, he's saying, let your words be few because if your words are many, what you're in effect saying is that what you have to say is more important than what God has to say. God's in heaven, you're on earth. Uh, don't utter hastily, foolishly before God. You know, we in the book of Proverbs saw replete throughout the book, proverb after proverb that talked about how that with many words transgression is unavoidable. In other words, the more you say, the more of a the potential for you to say something wrong. You know, I've never regretted something I didn't say, and I've always regretted something I did say. You can't unsay anything, something. Just like you can't unsend an email. I had somebody say to me that there is an app now, I guess, that if it's within a certain amount of time, you can you know, unsend an email if it hasn't been opened. I need to get that app. So if, if that was you, can you resend me that? <laughs> but, you know, once you say it, that's it. In other words, be careful and prayerful with what you say, 
especially when it comes to the words that you speak to God who is in heaven. You know, sometimes, and I think we do err greatly in this. I know I've done it and I've got the scars to prove it. But had I just but listened to the Lord and took heed to His Word, I could have saved myself so much trouble and pain and sorrow and suffering. Had I but just listened, I mean really listened and took to heart, took to heart what it is that God was speaking. Verse 3, for a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. What does this mean? Well, basically what Solomon is saying, he's going to say it again here in verse 7, that just like with much activity and stress during the day will bring about many dreams, even nightmares, so too does much foolishness bring about many words. I mean, they just kind of, it just is what it is. They go together. Now verse 4 through 6, verses 4 through 6 are interesting because he writes, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow, verse 5, than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God, that was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? So what's Solomon saying here? Well, we, we get our, our mouths get us in a lot of trouble, right? And we, we rashly, in the emotion of the moment, will say something or commit to something, and then we don't follow through. And here's the thing, God never expects us to make vows, make a promise, a vow or a promise we cannot keep. You know, I, I don't want to be derogatory towards this movement. I know God used it in mighty ways as only He can. But do you remember back in the day, the promise keepers, men's movement? God used it. I, I don't want to be disparaging in any way. But I, you know, I never got involved in that movement. I, I, and here's why. Just hear me out. I read the, I think it was seven, seven promises of a promise keeper. As I'm reading and I'm going, Okay, I promise, I promise, I promise. I got to the end and I was exhausted and discouraged and depressed. And I'm thinking, I can't do this. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't keep ten commandments. How am I going to keep seven promises? And, and, I, and I still to this day you'll forgive me, but I cannot find anywhere in Scripture where God says, you need to make a vow that you'll never do that again, or that you'll start doing this from now on. Do you see that anywhere in there? It's just the opposite, actually, because God knows that we can't. 
So don't make the vow. Don't make the promise. Don't, don't commit to do something that you are not able to do. And then here's what's going to happen. And this is really interesting. You're going to try and you're going to fail. And then you're going to say, you know, it was a mistake. It was, it was an error. And God's like, no, it wasn't. You're, you're being dismissive of it. Oh yeah, I was, you know, I just, it was kind of the, I got caught up in the emotion of the moment. You know, I commit from this day forward and, and, uh, you know, that was a mistake. No, it was a sin. And God takes it seriously. You know, we, <laughs> we have this proclivity to kind of, ah, take the edge off of our sin and we, we relabel it, right? So, you know, I, I, I have this issue. Issue? You have an issue? No, it's called sin. Say, re, repeat after me. Sin. No, I just, you know, I, I kind of messed up. No, you sinned. It was a sin. Yeah, but, you know, I, I just kind of blew it. No, you sinned. How about this one? Well, they had an affair. Oh. Doesn't that just sound so amicable? You, oh, it's just a, just an affair. Yeah, just an affair. You committed adultery. Call it what it is. I mean, you're, you're trying to sanitize it and, you know, it was just a, you know, it was an error. It was just a, a slip. I slipped up. I, I kind of blew it. I, I made a mistake. No, you sinned. That was sin. And God takes that seriously. Not just a mistake, not just an error. I, I, I almost don't want to expound on the last part of verse 6 here, because it seems that this is so serious that God would become angry at your, this is an interesting word, excuse. You're just making excuses. Well, you know, come on, lighten up, lighten up. You know, it just, here's what happened, and you start making excuses. And you start coming up with stories. It's like God's saying, listen, if I want a story, I'll go to the library. Stop making excuses. And here's where it gets kind of chilling. And destroy the work of your hands. Man, let's move on, verse 7. <laughs> For in the multitude of dreams, here it is again, and many words, there is also vanity, but fear God. Well, that's interesting. Why would he say that? Why would he write that? Because, isn't it true that we're more apt to make a commitment or a vow under the banner of the fear of man and be trapped by that? Because the fear of man is a trap. When you're beholding to man, you're a man pleaser, so you'll cower and acquiesce under that pressure, the fear of man. And so what Solomon is saying here is you want to save yourself <laughs> much in the way of heartache and misery and certainly the displeasure of God, then fear God. Because if you fear God, you'll fear no man. I mean, think about this. When you fear God, whom shall I fear, David says in the Psalms. 
what shall man do unto me? Jesus said it like this, don't fear man who can kill the body, fear God who can damn the soul. Fear God, not man. When you fear God, you fear no one or no thing. Verse 8, okay, I'm sorry I'm already laughing because this is, this is so apropos for today. Solomon is going to talk about an oppressive government. He says, if you see the oppression of the poor and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province with lockdown orders. Oh no, that's not in the, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do not marvel at the matter, for high official watches over high official, and higher officials are over them. Moreover, listen to verse 9, the prophet of the land is for all, even the king is served from the field. Okay, this is a paradox, a paradox of paradoxes, because you've got the people, the oppressed people that are dependent upon the government. But at the end of the day, the government is dependent upon the people and their labor and their toil and their taxes. So they need the people and the people are oppressed by the very government that makes them reliant upon them. And what Solomon is saying is, don't scratch your head. Don't marvel at the matter, because in the final analysis, there is a higher official over them. And we know in Scripture that God directs the heart of rulers the way He directs the water down the stream. Never imagine for a moment, and I know in this day in which we live with everything that is going on, it can admittedly become increasingly difficult to remind yourself that God knows what's going on. God's in control. God rules over all and overrules all. Yeah, but God, did you, did you, did you see what, did you, did you hear? They extended the lockdown. He says, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm watching. I'm, I'm, I what, what, you think I'm in heaven going, they did? When? Oh, Tuesday. You were, where, where were you? I don't know. I was, must have been golfing with Elijah or something on that day. There is a higher official, the most high official, that is over them. Verse 10, now Solomon's going to turn a corner, kind of an abrupt corner. He's going to start talking about wealth. In fact, this is going to be the dominant theme throughout the remainder of the chapter and into and through chapter 6 as well, Lord willing, next week. So please do come next week because we're going to talk about how that riches will never satisfy. Wealth will never satisfy. And that's what he's going to talk about now, verse 10. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also 
is vanity. When goods increase, verse 11, they increase who eat them. It's called children. (laughs) So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? Get a good look at them while they last. I think about that Proverbs. It's one of the it's Proverbs like this. There's many other things, but it's Proverbs like this that tells me that God has a great sense of humor. God invented humor, obviously. But it's that proverb that basically goes like this, don't feast your eyes on wealth. You want to know why? Because wealth will sprout and grow wings and fly away to heaven. Bye-bye. That's like your monthly paycheck every month. It's like, where did it go? Oh, it's just... It, grew wings and it's gone, flew away. <laughs> don't, don't get too attached to riches. Because here's the thing, even when you do amass them, there are going to be plenty that are going to be there to consume them. You make a million dollars, but $999,999 are consumed by way of overhead. So you made a dollar. It's all relative. And here's the other problem. And you amass it, you, you get it, and you love it, you'll never have, have enough of it. It's just always more and more and more and more. And it's a vicious cycle. And that's what money does, by the way. You know, you can, here's a sentence for everything in yours and my life. It goes like this, if I only could blank, I would be happy. Now fill in the blank. If I could only make more money, I would be happy. No, you won't. If I could only have this, then I'll be happy. No, you won't. If I could only have the new iPhone, then I'll be happy. No, you won't. (laughs) Because as soon as you do, they're going to come out with a new version. I swear that happens to me every single time. I, I think, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. You know, I, I remember I had the first iPhone 4. Just indulge me for a moment. I just have to get this off my chest. I bought the iPhone 4. Why are you looking at me like that? It was a lot of years ago. iPhone 4, and I kept it. It came out with the 5. I didn't get the 5. The 6. I did not get the 6. And I waited until the iPhone 10. Wow, impressive. And I'm thinking, I'm going to do it. I'm going in. I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. And so I purchased the iPhone 10. Wow, what a big difference from the iPhone 4. And I'm not exaggerating. I, I mean, it was days after I purchased it, they came out with the iPhone 11. Okay, I feel better now. I just have to get that off my chest. But isn't that how it is? Thanks for joining us today for In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, a book written by King Solomon. Solomon is known as one of the wisest kings to ever live, but that doesn't mean he always made the wisest choices. In Ecclesiastes, we read the words of Solomon with both hope and warning. We hope because the Lord is faithful in every season, and we read with warning, for tomorrow is not promised. Or as Solomon writes, Life is vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. How will you choose to live your life this year? With hope in the Lord or with sorrow in the world? 
Learn from Solomon and put your hope in the lasting things, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope today's teaching has inspired and encouraged you to continue learning from God's Word. You can connect with us by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on Contact under the About tab. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor J.D.'s teachings are also available on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. If you don't currently have a home church, we want to encourage you to find and begin attending a church in your area. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Just check out InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com for more. We hope you'll join us next time for another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Give me truth to